Summer driving is here, and so are the red-hot deals on the best tire brands at Dobbs. Money-saver June deals on new sets of Goodyear, Cooper, Continental, Michelin, and Pirelli tires. Click on GoToDobbs.com to find your next set of tires today. We're talking everything St. Louis Blues as we head into the Blues Booth. Presented by Boardwalk Hardwood Floors, a proud partner of your St. Louis Blues. Find your perfect new floor at our four convenient locations and online at BoardwalkHardwood.com. There we go. <laughs> that was awesome. <laughs> Hockey fights cancer last night at the Blues game, and both Chris Kerber and Joe Vitale just doing magnificent work bringing people into the booth and allowing them to, to live out some dreams. And Joe Vitale is with us now, as he is every Friday here on 101 ESPN. Joey V, that has to be so much fun when you're able to get kids in to enjoy what you guys do and really have an unforgettable lifetime experience. Uh, yeah, I tell you what, Randy, uh, Kerry, good morning, uh, first and foremost. Yeah, there was a, a really cool moment last night. And, you know, I, I don't know if anyone does it better than Chris Kerber as far as kind of bringing kids into the booth and, and getting them situated and getting them acclimated. And it was really fun last night because uh, through uh, with Ryan Schulte's help, our, our great engineer, there's a way, obviously, as you guys know, there's a way for – there's three headsets, so there's curbs. And then there was Charlotte, who was in the middle, and then there was me on the right. And, and Charlotte, about a year into, she, she'd been dealing with leukemia. It's on the up and up. She's got like one more round of chemo, but just a wonderful kid. And, and she's got um, a, a great Facebook group, and she's just got a lot of support and just sweet as can be. I got the chance to hang out with her and do some trick-or-treating with her and her brother Henry earlier in the year. Um, so to have her up in the booth was awesome. But there, there's a way for Curbs, who was on her left, to talk to her in her ear without the listeners hearing it. So essentially Curve said, hey, you're going to do the play play, but just listen to what I say and repeat what I say. And she's like, got it. So you can't hear it, of course, but Curve is whispering in her ear, you know, Thomas to Buchnevich. And she'd be like, Thomas to Buchnevich. And like, great pass to Tarasenko. And she great pass. So all you hear is her doing the play by play, but of course Curve is in her ear doing it and kind of walking her through the process, which is really fun. Uh, at one point in the, in the call, it was, it was just classic. She's doing the call, and then I hear Curve say, uh, you know, he moves it over to Jake Neighbors, and she'll go, and, she, and he moves it over to Jake Neighbors, and Curve goes, and boy, is he a cutie. <laughs> and, she goes, and boy, is he a cutie. And we're like, whoa, 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 whoa. And so, of course, of course, all the fans, all they heard was, and he moves it to Jake Neighbors. And boy, is he a cutie. Like, oh, they had no idea. So we were giving her trouble about it. But, um, you know, to your point, it, it, is, it is so fun to see the kids just, you know, get away from things a little bit. And, and the Blues and, and the whole NHL, for that matter, do it, do, do it so right. I mean, it was just awesome. Uh, Stouty, who was a part of the Bally's group, he got the ceremonial uh, ring of the bell at Center Ice, who's been a good friend and a wonderful, wonderful producer there at, at Bally Sports and just kind of hearing his story. And, you know, at the end of the day, like we were talking about, it's amazing because you, you hear Charlotte's story, you hear Stouty's story, and all the people with, with friends and, and relatives and close people that have been dealing with this stuff. 
it's just amazing to me how how quickly it turns. Like things are okay and life is great one day, and all of a sudden within a couple of weeks you get a, a bad diagnosis and you're you're dealing with chemo, you're dealing with surgeries. Life life just happens really quickly, and it's just really good to take a moment uh, to be grateful in those moments for the for the health you have and and to continue to to pray and, and have thoughts for the people that are, are struggling through this, this terrible disease. And but certainly some great moments last night and um, chills chills throughout the building, no doubt. Yeah, I was gonna say I thought last night was awesome the way that you know Panger set it up and all the people hold up their cards, you know, for the loved ones that are going through cancer or have been through cancer. It just, just, it makes you realize that sports is, is it's much bigger than sports at times. We use this to get away from the, the, the terrible things that can happen in life, but to be able to have that moment and have all of those people holding up those signs, that was pretty, pretty amazing. Yeah, you know, it really was, you know, Carrie. I actually just finished this book. It's actually called, uh, it's about the comfort crisis. And this guy, uh, these Harvard, these Harvard doctors, uh, they, they kind of broke down, they broke down this idea and it's called, uh, the, the, the acronym is PICC. So it's prevalence induced climate change. So what, what that means is, you know, they basically broke down our ancestors of like hundreds of thousands of years ago. So, our ancestors, you know, you know, as they were out in the wild, they're hunting elk, right? Eventually, at some point, you know, um, they're, they're, am, am I going to be able to kill an elk to feed my family? Am I going to be able to survive this winter? Is it going to be a cold one, right? Um, that little rash on little Johnny's back, is that smallpox or is that just a rash because he rubbed up against some sort of bush, right? So these were all the problems that our ancestors were having hundreds and thousands of years ago, right? So you would think that since we've solved the elk problem, we have good medicine, we have shelter and heat, you'd think that we wouldn't have any problems anymore, right? Well, well, they found that that's actually wrong. So what happens is, is, is the human psyche, and through this prevalence-induced climate change, is even when you solve a problem, you actually find new problems. That's just kind of the way the mind works. So it's kind of the old saying, uh, first world problems, but this is the, the actual science behind it. And if you really, if you really break that down, you know, people dealing with cancer, like they had issues before that, but then much bigger issues came into play. And then on the flip side, when you are healthy, you look for the stupidest, silliest things to, to, to boggle your mind, whether it's drama on a family or, or small little things, or maybe your kid came home with a C on a test that he didn't prepare for. Like we get so up, up in arms about this. And it's just good to, to have the intention that you know, uh, think back to, you know, are these problems really, really problems? Or are they solvable? And uh, like my dad's always told me, you don't you don't have really any problems. Um, that, that if, if money can fix it, it's not really a problem. And I and I kind of continue to think about that, too, when uh, stuff's always breaking in my house. Kids are always breaking windows. And um, I mean, it's constant. It's constant. I get aggravated. But at the end of the day, like like my dad's always told me, if, if money can fix that problem, you don't really have problems. So, again, last night, it was just a good reminder about, you know, the people that are dealing with much more um, rougher things that, you know, there were some kids in that last night, and I know it's as sad as it sounds, but I told my kids this this morning, I said, listen, you're, you're around kids, and, and their parents, you know what their concern is right now? It's not about, can I get Johnny that motorcycle? It's, it's, is this going to be the last Christmas I'm going to have with my child? I mean, that is real, real stuff, and that's, that's really, really hard, and it kind of tugs at you, and your point, Carrie yeah, this, Blue, this Blues team is struggling. Yes, we're all going through something. Yes, I know this, the fan base here, and everyone wants them to kind of turn this thing around, uh, but certainly a good moment to stay in check last night and just recognize what's the most important thing, and that's just that we have our health and we have each other. So, Joey V, we've sol- solved the elk problem. How do we solve the deer problem? Well, the, de- the deer the deer's a bit of a problem here, and this is where people get a little bit, little bit goofy about you know, killing deer, but we have a massive deer problem, I think, in, in most parts of the country. And you, you especially, you know, in the Frontenac with Dubin, there's deer everywhere, and they're basically nipping 
they're nipping away at um, all, all the plants and then the crops and then people's flowers. It kind of really, really disturbs people. These deer, man, they're, they're built for survival. And it's not quite like the coyote. Like the coyote's uh, kind of something completely different. I don't think you guys know about the coyotes. This is fascinating. I, le- I learned about this uh, last year, I think. I was watching National Geographic, and they were talking about, you know, in the, I think, early 1900s, so they tried to get rid of all the coyotes in the, in the um, Yosemite National Park. They're having a big coyote problem where the coyotes were eating all the livestock. So they had this initiative where they wanted to kill off the coyotes. And they were actually paying people, you know, for every coyote head, uh, they would pay you an X amount of money. So they're trying to, to limit or reduce the, the population of coyotes. Okay, so it seemed like a pretty good idea, right? Mm-hmm. Well, what they found was that they actually, the, the population of coyotes skyrocketed. And they didn't exactly know why, why, why this was happening. So it wasn't until years later, scientists really dug into this. And, and this is what coyotes do. This, this is what's amazing about coyotes and why they've survived as long as they have. So at night, you hear them howl. They're like, oh, I live in Phoenix, Arizona. I mean, it used to keep us up at night. Like, oh. You were a coyote. <laughs> exactly. exactly. Right. They're doing, their, they're doing that howling thing. And you're like, God, shut up. You know what I mean? Um, so they're doing their howling at night. And I always thought they were just kind of talking to each other and yipping and yapping. People used to think they were just calling. Or, or a lot of people thought it was the moon. If it was a full moon, like a wolf or a coyote would just howl at the moon. But it's actually a roll call. So what they do at night is after the day, they, they, they do their howl, and they basically wait to hear back how many other howls they get. And this work is really fascinating. So based off of the amount of howls they receive back, and they, they kind of all know within their area, that's a signal that, okay, we know Jimmy's okay, Bobby's okay, Riley's okay, and, and, and Tonto. Tonto's okay. Let's just call him Tonto. So they know that these coyotes are okay, so, so maybe they're all safe. But then what happens is, as you hear less and less howls, right? This is where it gets crazy. If they hear less howls, what happens? They're, the, the female cycle and the female, they actually produce more cubs based off of how many howls they hear. So on, on a good year, it's amazing. So on a good year, <laughs> if, on a good year, if they get the, the right, the right roll call and, and things and they're, they're, they're vibrant and they're, and they're blossoming and, and no one's getting killed, they maybe have one cub. But on some years where maybe they do their howls and all of a sudden they, Jimmy's gone and Susie's dead and no one's heard from Riley in a little while, then what happens? Instead of producing one cup, they produce like four cups. They produce like four cups. You know? And so so what, the, what, what, the, what the U.S. government was trying to do actually backfired and they actually produced more coyotes. You know? It's kind of what's going on in my house. Like, as soon as you think you had enough, like, my wife and I would keep having more. It's just, it's one of those things, like, a bunch of gremlins running around my, my house. <laughs> You're anyway, the best. I, I, forget, I forget what the original question was. It was how do we solve the deer problem? But I don't think we can. If the deer are doing the exact same thing. Then yeah, the- maybe, maybe the deer are doing the same thing. I'm not sure. But this is, this is the... This is the uh, the time where you really got to be careful on the road. I mean, uh, this is the rut. They call it the rut. This is basically the mating season where the males, the horns are big. They're kind of flashing. They're doing their, their, their grunting and they're strutting and they got their big racks and all the females are being, you know, obviously excited. And pe- they're, they're, usually they're nocturnal. They, they hunt at night, but now they're running throughout the day. So this is when the hormones of the deer are kind of flying all over the place. And you know what, you know what happens, guys, when the hormones are flying all over the place, you're not thinking properly. And, of course, they're crossing roads and crossing highways and doing stupid things. Joey, I never thought of it that way, that for the deer population, it's the females that are looking for big racks. <laughs> it's completely different for, for men and uh, hey, human men. That's a, that's a really good point. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> write that down. Oh. <laughs> Joey, Joey V, have a great trip. Always good to talk to you, and we'll do it again next week. 
Sounds good, boys. Have a great weekend. See you. Joe Vitale with us on 101 ESPN. Hi, this is Chris Howard, host of Plugged In with Chris Howard. The college football playoff committee made their decision on Sunday, and as much as I loathe the idea of Ohio State losing their way into the college football playoff, I 100% agree with OSU making it in over Bama. Nick Saban citing some hypothetical point spreads to prove his point that the tie deserve a spot in the college football playoffs holds little substance when you consider Bama's best win is over Texas. No, the committee got it right. TCU had a great season with far more ranked wins than Bama and didn't deserve to lose their spot after playing a surging Kansas State in a championship game. And Ohio State, while not playing some of their best ball later in the season, was still 12-0 until they came face-to-face with my Wolverines. While the college football playoff system isn't nowhere near as good as it could be, it's better than what we had. And in a few years, it will be better for all of college football. Hi, this is Chris Howard, host of Plugged In with Chris Howard. Get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there. From football to basketball to soccer and esports, we've got it all at BetOnline.net. And if you love sports podcasts, you can find those at BetOnline as well. And don't forget, BetOnline for the NHL, MMA, boxing, and golf. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. BetOnline, where the game starts. Hey, hon, what you doing with your phone? Do flowers have best friends? I don't know. Hey, look. Whoa. Some answers can only be found in nature. Discover the unsearchable. Visit discovertheforest.org to find a trail near you. Brought to you by the United States Forest Service and the Ad Council.